0: Last couple weeks we've been spending looking at the tabernacle, the different furnishings in the tabernacle. Um, and if you don't have a Bible, Glenn's got a Bible for you. We'd love for you to follow along in Exodus 31 this morning as we study. So Glenn would be happy to hand one of those to you. So just raise your hand and he'll get that to you. But we've been studying about the different furnishings of the tabernacle. And last week we spent time looking at four specific pieces of the high priest's garments and how that what that means to us today. One chapter we did not cover, and we're not going to Cover it in length, but I'm just going to briefly touch on it this morning because of the way it leads into and <laughs> leads into, I should say, um, to um, this text that we're going to study is, is Exodus 29. Exodus 29 is, is how the priestly garments and the priestly utensils and furnishings were consecrated by God for use in the temple, on the tabernacle. This was necessary for them to be used there for the, the things that they were created for to be used to worship God. And so the way in which they were consecrated was that the high priest, Aaron, would offer a sacrifice for his own sins. And then another sacrifice would be made um, and wherein which the blood of that sacrifice would be poured into bowls. And then that blood would be sprinkled upon the priestly garments, would be sprinkled upon all the utensils that, and all the furnishings of the tabernacle. And it's a sign and a symbol to us, and it's a great powerful imagery, that in order for any of those utensils and any of those furnishings be used to glorify and worship God, they first must be covered in blood. They first must be washed with blood. But the problem is, with those utensils, is they would get defiled, and they would need to be cleansed again and again. The great news with Jesus Christ, our high priest, the Lamb of God, the ultimate sacrifice, that when he died upon the cross and when we take of his blood, you know, we talk about that in the communion elements, that when we um, take those things that are representative of his body and his blood, that that blood, as we understand that we were completely washed in the blood of Christ. And so therefore, guess what? We're ready to do the work that we were created to do, Okay. Ephesians 2:10 God didn't just save us for this idea and understanding that we get the golden ticket. You I mean watch Willy Wonka, right? The golden ticket, you get the golden ticket, you get to go into the factory, right? And you didn't have to do anything but eat chocolate. Or you didn't even have to eat the chocolate, you just had to open it up to get the golden ticket, right? Well, for Christians, we need to understand that it's not about getting the golden ticket, but rather we're washed by the blood, we're reconciled to God, not to just get this golden ticket, but for his good work. God saved us so that we could be about his work, his business. And so that means in all of our lives, in our work, in our play, um, in our fellowship, in our worship, in every aspect of our lives, we are now washed clean so that all of those things can be used for the glory of God. Pretty cool, huh? Well, if that's the case, That means then our gifts that we've been given as well are also able to be used for the glory of God, which is a great segue, don't you think, into Exodus 31. When we read that God specifically gives a certain individual here and other individuals the gifts that they need to create all the utensils and furnishings of the tabernacle. God gives them his spirit. It says that the spirit of God you know, filled them, came upon them, so that they might be able to create and make these things. Well, if our understanding is it, God is the one that is giving them this ability, and God is the one that created these things or made these things for them to understand as far as like he designed them, and then the people were to respond to God's design and make them, then we understand who the original artist is, don't we? Sunday school answer. God, Jesus, right? That's a good answers, both of them, right? God is the original artist. Be confident in this, right? And we discover the original artist. We see this in Exodus 31.1 when it says, The Lord said to Moses. You know, we like to gloss over those things, like introductory phrases and stuff like that. But don't miss it. Who's the one speaking? God is. God is the one that's saying, this is what it's to look like. This is what it's to be made like. God is the one that's speaking. And also in Exodus 31.11b we see according to all that I have commanded you, they shall do. So God is the original artist of the tabernacle, but God is the original artist of so much more than the tabernacle. Genesis one one. In the beginning, God created. The great artist steps on the scene. Now. For those of us who don't have maybe an artistic bent or, or bone in our body, we tend to look at those kind of things. And, That's right, God created, and he created this time and this way, and, and we go into the details of it, but, and, but the artists like to stop and go, oh, yeah. I mean, in amazing ways, the colors, the, the sounds, the sights, amazing. God created. Think about that. God made and it was good. It was all good. The night and the day. I mean, night and day that we've never even experienced. Stars in the heavens, which we've never seen because of of what has taken place since the fall. In creation, God made not just one type of bird. And he didn't make it in black and white. He made it in color and in splendor. And he uses the full spectrum of color to, to make these things. And he created these trees, not just one variety of trees, all these variety of trees with different shapes shapes for the leaves, different fruits that were bare on those trees. I mean, amazing. And the animals. You know, not one kind of deer, all these kinds of deer. Not just one kind of bear, all these kinds of bears. I mean, just God was like, let me show off my artistry for you. And God just, boom, spoke it and it came into existence and the great artist steps onto the scene. The greatest artist that's ever existed is our God and the splendor of his creation. And Adam and Eve, oh, God delighted to take Adam and Eve and to craft, to sculpt, and to make them. And if you know of anybody who's a medical person and they start talking about human anatomy and all the different parts of the body and how God makes it all, it's brilliant. God designed and crafted the body and it is amazing. And God delighted to take Adam and Eve and place them in the garden. And Adam and Eve looked around and they saw, and Adam looked around and he saw the garden. And this is amazing. This is, look at the creation and they're worshiping God as they delight in God's artistry. And then the, the real piece of art for Adam steps onto the scene and, and God, Adam gets introduced to Eve and he says, woohoo, this is woman, All right? Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, I shall call her woman, All right? And and, and Adam is so excited in God's artistry and woman, and it's beautiful, and it's amazing, and God, the master craftsman, the master artist makes it splendid, and we talk about it, and we dream about it, but we can't perceive it because the world that we live in has been tainted, You see, when the fall happened, when Adam and Eve rebelled against God, it wasn't just Adam and Eve that fell, but all creation with it. Especially in today's day, it's hard for us to imagine a world that didn't have tornadoes and earthquakes and hurricanes. They lived in a world before the fall that wasn't groaning to be made new. It was new. But now, after the fall, all of these things have taken place, and now creation itself is crying out, and is groaning to be made new, to be restored, to be made in the way that God had intended it to be in the very beginning. And Christy got to go through another earthquake on Friday morning, woken up to a 6.0 earthquake. And she's like, Scott, this is, I've not experienced this, but it, it really, when you hear the prophecies talking about the earth groaning and desiring towards the end of days, she goes, man, I really feel like I've lived that down here. We live in a world that is groaning and is aching to be made new. Jesus steps onto the scene in a very powerful way in the Gospels. Could you imagine? You gotta love that. Sometimes we read the Bible so often just for what can I get out of it? Like, just, I need my truth for the day, God. Just give me my truth for the day. And we don't stop to enjoy the artistry of Scripture. (laughs) In Matthew 14, when God is describing the storm upon the sea, the scriptures, do you stop to hear the sound of the waves? I mean, the disciples were terrified. There's lightning crashing. There's waves that are engulfing them. How many of you have ever been in the ocean when a wave comes over you and the the salt water goes up your nose and out your mouth and you're coughing and you're spitting and that burning sensation? Could you imagine the disciples feeling that as water was splashing over them? over the side of the boat, they're coughing, they're spitting, them. they are afraid for their lives. These are seasoned fishermen, folks. They're not just afraid of anything. They're petrified. Do we hear the sounds, the sights, the smells, the lightning crashing in the distance, the thunder, oh my goodness, and and all of this going on, and Jesus walking in the water, and Peter getting out of the boat, and all that's going on, there. and then finally when Jesus steps back onto the boat, boosh, Stillness, peace. And instead of crashing waves, a little lapping up against the boat. You see God through Jesus, God, Jesus Christ, God, man. I'm telling you what, it's a powerful image when we see Jesus Christ speak to the storms and he calms the storms and says, peace, be still. And we see in the glimpse of that moment, the earth made new in that moment when God speaks peace to creation. You see, God's artistry has been put on display through creation, through fall, and his redemptive work, and we look forward to Revelations 21.1 when he says, when John is speaking of the revelation that God showed him, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away. There was no longer any sea. I can't even imagine the fallen John, sinful John, looking up at the pure, the wonderful, new heavens and the new earth. And all he can say is this. I can't, he's just astounded at what he's seeing. It's going to be made new. And God's artistry and perfection is going to be put back on display for us to enjoy. So if God is the original artist, if God is the one that puts this wonderfully things on display for us, right? He is showing, he is demonstrating to us through his creation, Romans 1, right? We understand, we perceive God through his creation. We see that and we look upon it and we respond to it. We are supposed to be able to look upon creation, look at what he's doing and respond and to worship God. And we do through, so through a lot of different ways. You see, the inspiration for the arts is given to us by God. We see here in Exodus 31, I'm going to start in verse 3. And I have filled him with the spirit of God, with the ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, and cutting Stones for setting and carving wood to work in every craft. And behold, I have appointed him with Holyab, the son of Ahissamach of the tribe of Dan, and I have given to all able men ability that they may be able to make all that I have commanded you. The inspiration for the artistry that is supposed to take place is from God. You see, True artists, God has made us with the abilities and gifts and so many different things. And the expression of those gifts is supposed to come from the Spirit of God. God working within us as we express that artistic desire. In Exodus thirty-five, thirty-five, we also read, And he has filled them with skill to do all kinds of work as craftsmen, as designers, as embroiderers in blue purple and scarlet yarn, and in fine linen, and as weavers. They are craftsmen in all the work and artistic designers. God has set aside individuals who will use these gifts for his glory. We see this also in the making of the temple. There's a myriad of different ways God has gifted people And their ability to express and worship him through the arts. Some people like to paint. For some of those people here, they were dying. You got to understand that this time they would have had to dye some of these linens in order to make them the color that God wanted them to be. There was artistry in that. They just didn't go to the local Hobby Lobby. Okay? They had to learn about the berries and the flowers and they had to understand how, as they would mix these things with water and other chemicals in, in, that we could find in those areas, and they would be able to produce this pigment that would dye these things beautifully. There was art in this. The, the, the seamstress folks, the, the folks that they could finally use and weave, and then they were supposed to decorate these cherubim on, on the linens, and how they would weave, the, the, the seamstresses would, would weave the, the colors, it was so beautiful. It was so amazing how God used their abilities to be worshipped by Him. We also see here in the cutting of stones and of gems and of metallurgy, and God using those gifts and those abilities. People sculpting and crafting. People with musical ability. Oh my goodness, the Psalms. Oh, have you ever, have you ever stopped to like YouTube and listen to some of the songs, some in Hebrew? I wanted to bring and share some with you, but for time, I just couldn't. So if you'd like some, like, I'm scared to get on YouTube, so I'll please, like, send me some addresses. I'd be happy to do that for you. It's amazing to be here. And one guy's like, people are, like, rocking out to, like, <laughs> singing, Hebrews, uh, singing the Psalms in Hebrew. And I'm like, sweet! That is so cool! I mean, there's just amazing. I mean, it, the Psalms were meant to be sung. They were songs. And there's songs of thanksgiving and joy. There's songs of lament and sadness. There's songs of ascent for whole congregations of people to sing together. In fact, Psalms 78, Psalm 105, Psalm 106, Psalm 135, and Psalm 136, all are just referencing God's power, God's majesty, in light of the Exodus. They keep making more songs about it. Oh, well, one's not good enough. Two's not good enough. Three's not good enough. We had to keep writing more. That was an amazing time in our history, and we're going to praise God through song about it. They worship God with art through making of instruments. In 1 Chronicles 15, 16, David commissions that instruments are to be made to worship God and praise God. In 1 Kings 7 25, Numbers 21 82, 1 Kings seven twenty nine. We see how God had inspired people to sculpt and to embroider. You see, the inspiration for the arts was intended to be from God. The expression of the arts was to be through God. That people were thinking upon God correctly, and through the gifts and their abilities, they were sharing what God had done. It's interesting though, as I think about the arts, I think about all that God has done to the arts and the amazing splendor of majesty and how our inspiration is supposed to be derived from Him. We see at the fall, there was a problem. Instead of using the arts for the glory of God, we'll use the arts for the glory of other things. And a travesty happened. Instead of an artist expressing who God is and what he has done and being free to make that expression, artists are now bound and constrained because their artistry is their identity. And now they're constrained by how other people view their artistry, and if their people don't like their artistry, then their, their artistry is considered garbage or, or, or undesirable You see, God didn't intend for artistry to be that way. God made artistry for us to express our worship to him. And so that means that we get to throw open our arms and say, praise be to God. And through the the arts in so many different ways and so many different wonderful opportunities and people to go, I'm just praising Jesus through this and not be bound anymore. But the fall affected arts and they needed to be redeemed. We... Are called to be God's redemptive agents upon this earth. First Corinthians, or excuse me, 2nd Corinthians chapter 5, 17 to 21. So then, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. What is old has passed away. Look, what new has come. And all these things are from God who reconciled to us, reconciled us to himself through Christ and who has given us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's trespasses against them, and he has given us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making his plea through us. We plead with you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we would become the righteousness of God. The Father sent the Son, Jesus Christ, so that all who believe in him might be reconciled to God, might be able to be brought into the presence of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. God's wrath poured out on the Son so we can be in relationship with God. Well, since we have this relationship with God now, We are to, in all areas, in all aspects of our lives, worship him. And that includes our gifts and our abilities. And that means that we, too, then, are to share that redeeming. We're to be ambassadors. We're to be people who proclaim God's redemptive work, his reconciliatory work to the world. So that we take the truth of who God is and what he's done in our lives, how he's redeemed us then we get to share that with others that they no longer may need to be bound. Well, that includes the arts, that we get to be redeeming agents to the arts and the culture of the arts. And that is exciting for us because I want you to be honest. I feel this morning like I need to stand in the pulpit and offer repentance for the church because we have not treated the arts with appreciation or desire give you an example if your child comes home today and says I you know what I've decided what I want to do with the rest of my life you're like great what is that I want to go be a rocket scientist I want to go to the moon and I want to you know you know. We're going to go to visit the moon again, and then we're going to go create a space station to the moon. We're going to go to Mars and other planets. And you're like, oh, that is so cool. Awesome. Love it. Fantastic. Let's get out. What math are you going to need? What science are you going to need? What grades are you going to need to get? You know, start mapping it out for them, right? Or, hey, we're going to become a doctor or a nurse someday, right? And, oh, that's fantastic. You know, doctors make good money. Nurses are doing great nowadays. That's good news. You know, we're going to teach you, to line you up. Okay, when, you, when it scores you, you have to get on your MCATs. And we're going to do all the research there, right? Or, or you know what? I want to become a professional athlete. Sweet. What, what team are we going to sign you up on, right? Or, but if your child comes home and says, I want to be a painter. Well, how about that be your hobby? Because painters don't make much money. Let that be your hobby. You do, you do something more meaningful with your life and like go become a doctor, lawyer. Well, maybe not a lawyer, but uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> Look at how we've in our society, even in our church family, we valued certain gifts and over other gifts. we have our own hearts that need to be redeemed in light of the arts. But I ask you a question this morning. Do we still need the arts? And and I don't ask this tongue-in-cheek because I hear it in Christian circles often. You, You think about what has been done in the past. Michelangelo. Leonardo da Vinci. You got all of these, and they're not. I'm talking about, they're not talking about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles here. I'm, I'm talking about the artists and the sculptors, right? That existed so long ago and created such magnificent pieces of art. St. Peter's Basilica. I mean, incredible pieces of artwork, architecture, design. We think of the castles of old in Europe. And, you know, in America, we talk about old things. But when you go to Europe, you see what really old is, okay? And you're like, man, they have done such incredible things. I don't think anything ever could be done better than that. Anybody ever said that? Wow, we, we observe it, and we've got such a great appreciation for it, and we're like, oh, that's so amazing. Ugh, well, might as well just stop there, right? Let's just stop there. Let's just appreciate the past. And the hymns, oh, John Wesley. Beautiful hymns that were made. Whitfield wrote some other, just amazing. All those hymns, they're never going to get better than the hymns that were the the theology of the hymns. They're never going to get better than what those hymns were. And we have such appreciation as we should for what's been written. And we're like, oh, let's just stop there. And let me tell you what happens if we stop there. Then every one of our children, every one of our adults in here who have that gift to write music, have that gift to write poetry, have that gift to sculpt, have that gift to paint, have that gift to design. We've just told them that their gifts aren't going to be good enough and they need not even try. So what are they going to do? They're going to abandon this. The church has no need for my gifts, but I come over here and the world is anxiously awaiting me to use my gifts for them. In fact, they will appreciate me and they will praise me and they will accept me with wide open arms and we will lose our children. We will lose our gifted people and these arts to the world because we've said there's nothing greater to come. I want us to appreciate the ancient. I want us to love it, to respect it, but not for the people that did it but for our God who inspired them. And if we appreciate the past for anything else, then the God who inspired them are appreciating it for the wrong reasons. Because it's his story. And he told it back in those days to those times. But I'm going to ask you a question right now. Is God still writing his story? Is God still changing people's hearts and lives? Is people still responding to the gospel of Jesus Christ? If that is the case, then artisans go crazy. As God is working in your hearts and your lives, as you're seeing God at work, respond. Respond through the abilities God has given you. And I promise you, I, don't, I will never come to you, I promise you, and say, it never, that won't compare to then, because it's a new work. God is doing something different right now than He did back then. And that's so cool that God is still at work. We need to praise God for that. New Christian songs are being written. New modern day hymns are on the rise. Praise God. Sweet. I'm going to appreciate those with the same appreciation I have for these. Artists stepping onto the scene, painting and and artists sculpting and they're making new pieces of art. That's different than what's been done previously. Sweet. Sweet. God is inspiring people to draw, to sketch, to paint, to sculpt for his glory. How cool is that? We can get excited about that. We don't have to be fearful. And for some reason, I think in the churches, we're scared to get excited about that. We watch a Christian drama production and we get uneasy. Am I supposed to like this? Am I not? When we should be rejoicing in that Christians are up there sharing what God has gifted them with through a drama and production. We should be excited about things. We should be celebrating and Even if you're sitting here this morning and you're going, you know, I don't, you know, I'm not real, real artsy, you know, and I'm not, you know, I don't have a great love for that. I'm not saying you need to go out and love everything. I'm saying have an appreciation for God's working through people in a lot of variety of ways because God is still expressing his artistry and his design through his people. And we should be excited about that. Of all people, we should be the most encouraging of artists. I am so excited that hopefully in our future facility and how God works this out, that we're going to get the opportunities to love on the artists in our community. You see, we still need the arts. We desperately need the arts. We still need God people using their gifts for us because it is for our benefit that they are using their gifts. Because that's what scripture tells us about God's giftings to us, right? That they're for the benefit, not just of the individual, but for the whole church family. And we get to celebrate God through the ways that they're celebrating him. Last Sunday night, um, Kyle McMullen from Grace City Church, Pastor Grace City, who's their story team guy, sat down with um, some of our folks to um, talk about us forming a story team here. So this is my shameless plug. If you are a person who enjoy the arts, we want you on our team. We would love for you, if you like graphic arts, if you like video, if you like painting, if you like sculpting, if you like um, you name, writing music, poetry, um, writing of story, if you like doing these things and you want to use these things for the glory of God, we want to talk with you. And you come and talk to me personally, and we're going to create a team, and our team is going to desire to tell God's story through the arts, and it's going to be powerful, and we're going to be able to do this with a church family, and it's going to be fun, okay? I'm so excited about this. You can maybe tell that a little bit this morning. But when he's talking to his team, and I love this. He was super inspiring to me. When he's talking with his teams, he says to his team, I want you to understand your character, you need to understand who your character is to be a part of this team. You're, this is the, your character. You're an image bearer of God first. That's who you are. Your identity is an image bearer of God. Okay, That's who you are. What are you going to do? You're supposed to tell God's story. So we're storytellers second. You know, We're going to tell God's story, what he's doing. And finally, the third thing is you're an artist. And what this frees us up to do is say, when we create something or we do something for the church body, not everybody's going to love it. But that's okay. We didn't necessarily do it for you to love it. We did it so that we could worship God and share God's story. And for some people, they're going to really, really crazy about it. For other people, they're going to, they're oh, that's okay. And that's okay because that's not who we are. What we create isn't who we are. And so we should have the greatest liberality, the greatest freedom to go try out fun stuff, to put God's message on display through the arts. We should be free. And that's, oh, man, y'all fall asleep or what? (laughs) So what do we need to do to encourage, to help be agents of redemption in regards to the arts? There's a great book called Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands. I'm going to borrow from that book that we need to love, know, speak, and do to our, our artists, that we need to love our artists. If you're an artist in here this morning, I know a lot of you are hiding out because you're afraid. Maybe because you've shown your art to somebody. You've shared a poem, shared a song, sculpture, painting, story. And and somebody didn't like it, and so you became fearful and you withdrew and you said, fine, this is just for me. I would like to encourage you to step out and begin to use that gift for God. And we want to love you. We want you to be able to hone that gift. In Exodus 31, it talks about that they had all intelligence and all ability. God helped them hone their gift so it was glorious and worshipful to him, and we want to help you do that. We want to love you. So you don't have to be par excellence to come and step out. We want to love you where you're at and encourage you. And maybe you're like, I'm not super gifted, but I just have a love for it. Sweet, come on. We want to get to know you. We want to get to know your passions in the arts. What you see, what what do you get excited about. We want to get to know you. We want to speak encouraging words into your life and and speak into you the gospel of Jesus Christ so that you learn to tell God's story clearer and clearer through the arts that God has given you. And we want to see you be able to do and to come alongside with you as together we serve God with the gifts. We are leaning forward as a church family, preparing in our hearts and our minds for the facility that God is going to provide for us in the future. One of the things that we want to intentionally do to show that we are God's redeeming agents for the arts is we're going to intentionally provide space for the arts. If you look around our facility, you are here right now. White walls and no place to hang anything. May no room for 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 stuff to be displayed, but that's going to change. We're going to display things, and people in our congregation that are expressing their worship to God and creating things. We're going to put stuff up. I can't wait to see that. I, I've seen that in other churches, and I just thought it was amazing, amazing. There's if you ever get a chance to go over to um, uh, Doxa Church and. Jeff Vanderstelt's church in, in Bellevue. They had this mural, this, this painting on the wall. It's just huge. And it's the city of, of Seattle and the surrounding um, suburbs. And, and, and if you look at it, you see the face of Jesus Christ. It's like. And then there's another piece of artwork over here. And it was just, it was just so much fun to watch walk in there saying, if you're an artist, you walk into this church, you're like, I'm loved. I'm loved. I'm encouraged. These people want me and they want me to use my gift for God's glory. They had art, like art on the walls in the kids' room. I mean, it was so cool. It was so cool. So we're gonna provide space. And we're gonna invite artists into our home. I as we look down the future of our facility and what we'd like to provide for our community is having place for people to come in, maybe room, room for artists to come in and begin to use their gifts as far as sound rooms to our, you know, painting, sculpting rooms. I mean, maybe do we need to have a kiln? Do we wanna? Because let me tell you what, this town is, if you're an athlete, there's plenty of opportunities for you in this town. There's gyms, there's all this other stuff. There's fields, there's, there's great stuff, which I'm not knocking the, I'm a sports guy, right? I'm recording the Broncos game right now, okay? <laughs> but where is there a place for our kids to come use their artistic abilities? My daughter Catherine plays the violin. My daughter, Kira, plays the piano. So we go to the only places in Chelan, really, that have room for that, and that's the one is the Methodist Church, and there's no room. We, the parents are standing up in the back. If overflowing into the back, there's no room. There's no way for them to record. What if we became a place for these, all these concerts to be held in our church facility, and we're recording this and giving it back as a gift to these kids and saying, Man, that was great. Here's a recording, show this with your grandma and grandpa couldn't make it, your brothers your sisters, and we're giving this back as a gift to them because we desire to see you use your gift for God's glory. You see, that's the kind of vision I want us to start having for our future facility. You see, we're not building a building that lasts forever. We're building a home. And in your homes, what do you have? When you your kids come home with a little painting and drawing, where does it go? It goes up on the refrigerator, Get put up on the walls, right? Well, that's what we want to do. We want to create an environment where people can use those and our new home have this ability. So we want to go into our community and invite them in and know that we're providing space for this to take place. So I'm going to leave you with these three questions this morning. They're in your bulletin, and I ask that you spend time contemplating them and thinking about them and I don't normally do this. Our personal response person does this, but I'd just rather our response person come up and share how it's hit their heart today. Um, The first thing I would like you to ask yourself, is there any room in your life for art, either creating or appreciating? Do you even contemplate the arts? I mean, is it something that crosses your mind at all? What room in your heart for that is there for that? The second question I'd like to ask you is, what influence does art play in your spiritual growth? Hmm. Do you like listening to music when you're studying God's Word or when you're driving in the car? Are you listening to music that causes spiritual growth? Are you reflecting upon things that cause you to get excited about God or excited about man? You know, the new iPhone 8's coming out. I think that's one of the most—you want to talk about where worship lies— People by the millions are about ready to spend a thousand dollars on a phone that will last them two years at most. Do is that where our are we gazing upon the articles of that? Are we are we gazing our eyes upon art sculptures that bring praise and glory to God? And how? Finally, the last question is: How does an unappreciation for art? keep us from reaching others with the gospel? And you're like, I don't understand that question. Hear me. let me flush it out for you a little bit. When we are just so disassociated with the arts, I don't like the arts, I don't like music, I don't like sculpture, I don't like painting, I don't like any of that stuff, you are actually closing yourself off to a very large portion of our culture, and you're not going to be able to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ just because you're like, I refuse to even acknowledge what God has done through the arts. And that he has an appreciation for the arts. You see, God is still at work. God is still at work putting his artistry on display. And it is only right for those who God has gifted in this way to continue to respond to God's artistic work around us. And it is only right for us as God's redeeming agents, as people God has placed here, to appreciate that, to cherish it, and let it become part of our worship of our God. I have the wonderful opportunity right now to talk with you about an artist in our church family. She was told... Go. She was given that line, you know, you need to go get a real job. And so she was told to go to nursing school, which she did. She went to nursing school, graduated nursing school, became a nurse, became a really good nurse, great nurse. Um, so much so she impressed one doctor in specifics, and, and, and now she's married to him, okay? <laughs> but there was a lack of joy in her heart in regards to her nursing. You know, she, she was good at it. But it was like she was being called to something else. And the Spirit of God, I believe, was moving within her. And so she stopped nursing and began to paint full-time. We started the Exodus series back in January, and the Exodus series began to do a work on her heart. And so she just began to read through Exodus over and over again. And she began to paint. A piece for us, for our church family, called Redemptive Journey. And we get to unveil that now for you. Thank you, Jennifer. Would you wave your hand one more time so people can <laughs> know you're I'm so excited. This is the first piece of art that's going to go up on our new facility. And this is what we want to do God came to redeem all areas and aspects of our lives. Thank you for using your gift for the worship of God, and now we get to enjoy that and worship God with her through this, worship God through this. Thank you so much. Please join me in prayer. Father God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the incredible gifts that you have given to our people and our congregation, from our musicians to the painters, the sculptors, people who are gifted in word As in poetry and telling story, the graphic designers, Lord God, that you've given gifts to to proclaim your word, to Lord God, there's so many different ways that you've given us to express our love for you, and Lord God, may you begin to redeem these things in our hearts and lives for your glory, and may we begin to use them and put them on display for the church family that we can worship you together through the gifts that you have given each other. We love you, Jesus. And we just want to express that. In Jesus' name we pray, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.